You're the fucking keyboard player for Monster uh, Magnet, oh. bro. Oh, bye-bye. Oh, bye. Lost you there, uh, but now we got you back. First dude, we lost you, then we got you back. So itchy. That wig is so itchy. How do women wear wigs? God damn it, really? Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Dude, have you watched the new... Uh, Oh, God damn it. Dolly Parton documentary that's on Netflix or wherever it's on. No, I haven't. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. I love, 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 love Dolly Parton. She does a cool thing in Tennessee where she sends a book a month to every kid in Tennessee until they're five. So we got, we. it's just one of these like foundation things that she does. So we got a book from Dolly. I mean, we got a shitload of them. I was yeah. sad when it ended. Well, <clears throat> she's wonderful and uh, very talented. Is this what the podcast has come to? Where we're just going to talk about how talented Dolly <laughs> so Parton is. Just talking about <laughs> what if we just started a Dolly Parton podcast where we just talk about Dolly Parton, but we don't do any research. I didn't, don't know anything, and about we it. don't. We don't. Yeah, we don't. We just talk about our feelings about Dolly Parton. How long would people listen to that before they would go and ter- take their phone and put it in the blender? I think anything like that, if you really commit to it, people, there will be an audience for it because the world is strange. And what the internet has done is it, it has brought a lot of strange people together. It's given a lot of strange people a sense of community. And I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Dude, I was on, hold on. Zip. I was on tour in 2010, talking to some filmmakers uh, somewhere out on the West Coast. And they were talking about a documentary. And as soon as they described it to me, I had to go watch it. And it's a documentary called Zoo. Okay. Here's okay. what Zoo is about. Zoo is about, well, what happened was a, a senator in Washington State, some political guy, died of internal bleeding in the ER one evening. And the, they're trying to get. Oh, it. yeah. They're trying to, they're trying to crack the code, right, on wh- what befell this gentleman. And they find out H date, right? They find out he'd been letting a horse, yeah, ha- fuck him. Now, dude, that guy had a bad case of H D. Now, that was 1080p H D. But <laughs> here, yeah. here, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a, a veterinarian. That, dude, that was eight. That was eight Q. <laughs> LED. That was more than 16 bit. But I'm not a I'm not a veterinarian, you know this. I'm I merely Oh, you're not Wait, hold the wait. You're not a veterinarian. I'm not a veterinarian, not anymore. I merely write Dude, songs. Dude, why and have play I been sending all of my cats and dogs to you and no wonder they've been dying. I don't know. I leave them at the post office. But a beehole is one size. Maybe right, Hold 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 on. Zippity doo dot, zippity day dot, do dot day. And the and a horse penis, particularly when aroused, is well, it's quite large. Bigger so, than a bee hole? It's a little bigger than a bee hole. The, the, the physics don't quite make sense, do they? But well, I don't, I don't. You know, th- they have those smaller horses. No, the, the, I, these guys. All horse do all horses have pretty big HDs? Hold on, let me look it up. Yes. <laughs> uh all right. But so this guy died, and this is a guy married with kids, and he's a conservative public figure, whatever. 
So right. they they found out he was a part of a group of people who call themselves zoophiles, hence the name zoo. And uh, they they get together, drink a little bit of moonshine. This sounds like some shit that happened in the trailer park I grew up in Alabama. But no, this is in like Washington State, which shows you these weirdos are everywhere. And right. they found each other on the internet because here's what happens. So you, say you're a guy that likes to have your pony put its pony penis in your quarter size bee hole. You're out there alone, man. You're the you feel maybe like you're the only man in the universe that likes that particular thing. But then the internet comes along. Dee, dee, dee. Hi, I'm the internet. Any weird shit you're into? Yeah. You feed that into the internet. They're like, bing, bing, bing. We found a bunch of people like you. And then yeah. they get together and they have, I guess, according according to them, is a nice time. Anyway, there's nothing really pornographic in the documentary. It's really just about this thing. It's have called you ever, Zoo. Have you ever watched any, have you ever watched any uh, zoo porn or whatever it is? <laughs> Bestiality. Animal porn? No. I was never the guy that would hear about like that kind of thing in porn and want and be like, oh, I need to see that. Like, Oh, me. They're, me too. They're, I, would I had never, a lot of friends that I don't think were into it necessarily, but if you told them, but like, they wanted oh, to check it out. Here's a here's right. a girl sucking a dog's dick. They're like, right. oh man, I can't wait to see that. Crazy. I would never was like right. that. I was always like, don't want to see it. Don't give a fuck. But it sounds like you were similar. Here's the thing about you and me. Our minds are already filled with <laughs> horror beyond comprehension. We're already making a documentary called Zoo in our heads. Yeah, we don't want to add to that menagerie no. or I don't no. you, you, you definitely watch a lot of horror stuff, but I, anything like bestiality or like, I've never seen a beheading, like an ISIS beheading or anything like that. I don't want to find, I don't want to look at anything. I don't like look at that, that either. No, I, I was watching CNN yesterday and they, you know, there's been another shooting and they're like, you know, they love that now. They'll just show you shootings now. And they're like, we must uh, warn you, uh, what you're about to see is graphic. I'm like, oh, I couldn't get to the remote quicker, dude, because I'm like, yeah. I do not want to fucking see it. No, don't want to see it. So I wouldn't, you know, I'm not, but I, so I was in Germany as a, I don't know, t- probably a young adult, anywhere between 15 and 20, somewhere in there. And I was at a party and I walked in and there was, bestiality porn videos on the TV at this party. That is so German, at, by the way. <laughs> so, sort of, yeah, it's very German. And it, I think it was like a joke, you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah, it yeah. was on there as a joke. It wasn't yeah. like people, but there were people sitting there watching it. And I mean, I'm had a few drinks. I'm like, so I stood there for two or three minutes and watched it. And it was fucked up, dude. Well, everyone's watching it. It was for, fucked up. Everyone's watching it as a quote unquote joke, but there's always someone or several people that are like, I don't think it's all that funny. I like it. <laughs> there are people who like it, dude. They're like, well, oh, isn't this a funny joke? Can I borrow that tape? <laughs> oh, God. I'm telling That's you, man. so fucked up. Anything you can think of, like anything you can think of. Right. Is, is real pornography. It's a thing called rule 34. Because people are fucking weird, man. People are weird. I, all that foot fetish stuff, I don't get it all. I don't have any of that foot fetish, but I guess people are really into that. I actually saw an explanation for it recently that made a lot of sense, and it had to do with being a kid. I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna butcher it now, but well, don't you see? Because you have you have a daughter, yeah. and I have a son and a daughter, and so when I see them in their formative years as young kids, mm-hmm. like anytime something happens or they do something, I'm like. Oh yeah, this is gonna, this is gonna come around later when mm. they whatever they get it, you know, whatever 
they get into later on in life. I'm like, oh, that that's probably for better or worse. You're like building their psyche. Is that what you mean? Like I'm not building getting- it, but it's you're a wit because you see what yeah. they're doing and, yeah. and and what they're going through, and you're like, oh, I bet you that'll come around. <laughs> but it may or may not. Like you think, oh, that might come around. Yeah. But you never know. Like what are the things I that know. stick with you, and what are the things that don't stick with you? You just don't know. Well, I think what I try to do. Kids is- are so kids are so weird. But but you and I came from. You know, our childhood was punctuated with a lot of trauma. What I try to do is declutter my kids' waking life with trauma. So uh, some naked time or some poop stuff or some jokes or like anything that could get stigmatized with like shame or punishment. I just declutter all of those experiences so that if they become a thing, they become a thing. If it's some sort of fixation, at least I didn't fucking muddy it up by... Right. B- being a fuck up around it and and causing a stigma, you know? Well, I had this thing growing up where my dad was just always naked. <laughs> like there was never a time, there was never, I don't think I, ever a day went by as a kid where I didn't see my dad's dick. Like he was just always <laughs> naked. You know? And then eventually yeah. as a teenager, he started wearing like a robe, but the robe stopped right at his dick. <laughs> so I would like, even then, I'd be like, Dad, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm wearing a robe. I'm like, I can see your dick and balls <laughs> peeking out from under the robe. The robe was like a, a shirt. It wasn't a robe. It was like a terry cloth shirt that he would wear. <laughs> it really so now it really does seem like some kind of power play. It seems like some kind of game. No, no, not at all. My dad just sees there's nothing for him being naked. Him and my mom both were just naked. They would go to naked beaches. Like if they if there was a naked beach, my parents were on the naked beach completely nude. Like they loved it. Saunas, like and it went, and we so I grew up in Germany where there's nudity on the television, there's nudity in the parks. You go walking through the park, there's always a part of the park that's clothes optional. And my parents loved it. Like nobody except for my current wife, nobody that I've ever dated hasn't seen my dad naked. Like he just, he'll just, I mean, literally until maybe eight or nine years ago, my dad would just sit at the pool, sit at my pool naked at my pool. And I'd be like, dad, you can't sit at my pool naked. You have to put on clothes. And eventually now he's in his late seventies. And for the first, I think in his seventies, he finally started to not be naked in public. But what that's tra- what that's translated into for me as an adult is I am so modest now. I just am never naked. And I'm so aware like I somebody said, "Oh, you can't be naked around your kids after 5 or something like that." And I've just never really spent any time around my kids naked. Absolutely. Ever. I, me neither. And I I and no, nor will I. It will not happen. Now, have I taken poops have I have I taken poops while my kids in the bathtub? Many <laughs> oh times. God. But I'm I'm real Gross. careful about like you know being you know you're not going to see the 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 you know the pork and beans is not on display when I'm pooping. My my dumbass dad did the same thing. He would just be shaving or something completely nude, and I'd be like, Dad, I need to use the bathroom. We need to take a shower. He'd be like, Come on in here. I walk in. He's just naked. Yeah, like put some, and you're you're at dick level, dude. That's looking like some HD shit when you're like four or five, and that definitely that's definitely leaving some sort of type of psychological mark for sure. 
But uh, I'm telling you, man, me and you came through that fire and now we are parenting in a way, we were parenting in a way that is directly a direct response to that. But then who knows, man, our kids might grow up and have some weird sex thing where they're like, well, my dad was simply never naked near me. I didn't see a penis until I was 36 years old. Well, that's the thing. You know, ne- you know, you, you never, never know. know. And, and it, it also depends on who the person is. I mean, you and me are wildly sensitive people. Like we're so hyper aware of everything. Everything affects us so intensely. And not everybody's like that. Yeah. My sister's not like that at all. If you ask her about her childhood, it's her story's so different. We grew up in the same house. Mm. I've never really talked to her about that. It'd be interesting to hear. I do remember there was a <laughs> there was like a tour where you and I went away for a couple of weeks and your parents were staying at your house. And you had told your dad, you're like, dad, don't be naked like in my desk chair. Cause that's where I like sit and like, that's where I like write songs. And you're like, right. and you, he, I guess he liked to be naked in that chair. And you were like, you're like, dad, just don't do that. And he's like, okay. And then I guess, well, the thing, but then Luke, the thing bust, that, Luke busted him. Cause Luke <laughs> said that grandpa's naked again. Or no, something. no, here's the, here's, here's the deal with my dad. So, once I, once my son was born, I told, because my parents babysit all the time. I'm like, two things I don't want you to do. First of all, never, ever lay hands on my children. Like, never spank them, sure. ever. Yeah. If, you, if you're having a problem with them, talk to them. And if you don't want to deal with it, bring them back over to the house. But do, do ne- you, you'll never lay a hand on my kids. Hmm. Never spank them, ever. for any. Re- and they they never have and i never have either and, and i'm i feel very good about it sure we're the same um secondly i was like i don't feel comfortable with you being naked around my kids <laughs> but i don't that i don't think is that big of a deal but i again i'm just not crazy about the idea so i'm like don't be naked around luke <laughs> and of course like the first time these that like and he spent many times over there and then once Luke could start talking, I'm like, "Did you see? Did you see Grandpa naked?" And immediately he was like, "Oh yeah, of oh, course." Yes. <laughs> I'm like, "Dad, what are you doing?" And uh, so it was pretty funny. No, but the thing with my dad that really the thing that I hate when I when I used to go on tour back before I was remarried and um and and. I would have to go on tour for a couple of weeks or whatever. My parents would would stay at my house and, and house sit or whatever. And the th- I would come home and the entire house would be covered in baby oil <laughs> because my dad, the thing that he loves to do is he loves to get slathered up in baby oil and lay in the sun all day long. And when he gets dry, he re-slathers. And so Whoa, I would God. come home from tour and you just see these footprints leading <laughs> off to where the pool is coming into the house, baby oil prints. And there was fucking baby oil on every fucking thing in the house. It was so fucking gross, dude. Oh my God, dude. And that's still, and I would, I would find, I would like, dad, don't, don't, don't use baby oil. And he'd be like, okay, I won't. And I would find bottles of baby oil hidden away. <laughs> Throughout the house, he's like an kind addict. Of like you would find with like an old, you know, drunk, yeah, where they totally. would hide bottles of vodka. Yeah, he would hide bottles of baby oil because I would, <laughs> and I would throw them away as I would find them. Oh my god, it's like an episode of intervention with your dad and baby oil. 
Jesus. And people are going to hear this and they're going to be like, what's wrong with him? But the thing is, my dad's a, he's a sweet guy. He's a good guy. He's a well-intentioned guy. He just doesn't have any problem with nudity. He's not, you know what I mean? It's not like a, it's not a power thing. It's not a predatorial thing. It's just like, he just, that's just, he's a, nat- or a naturalist or whatever, however you want to look at it. He's just, he has no shame about his body. Unlike me, yeah, who I've never not fully been ashamed of what I look like. Even when I was the skinniest I've ever been, the hottest I've ever been, I would sit there and I would take the tiniest amount of gut fat, because everybody has a little bit, and I would roll it and go, oh, look at that. Look at that fat. <laughs> and I mean, I've just never been able to enjoy, I've never been comfortable with the way I look ever in my entire life. It's so weird. Yeah. Even now, even, I mean, now I look at myself and I go, oh my God, I'm a fucking, the hunchback of Notre Dame. But I guarantee you in 10 years, I'll look back at, at now and I'll be like, what are you talking about? Dude, you were like looking good 10 years ago. Now you look like a goddamn, the Crip Keeper. <laughs> but I've never been able to just enjoy anything. Anything, really. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I know, dude. It's not good. It's not. I mean, the good news is I get to write songs. What's right. that? I said, I wonder why we called the podcast I'm Not Okay. I mean, you know how I feel about all this. I'm 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 in that yeah. horrible pod with you, man. We're You're right been, with we've me. We've been catapulted into space, man. Dude. I know. I, I mean, I, I will say I do think I have a little less severe than that. And I wonder if like here's an example. I've pretty much had a girlfriend since I was twelve. And <clears throat> all of them were nice looking. Like I always had a good time with ladies. I didn't date that many people, but I always had a girlfriend that was a nice lady. And that's, some, I mean, I've had moments in those pockets with these people, my wife included, where I'm like, eh, I can't be too much of a monster if this is happening to me. Now, I have to always factor in the magical powers of holding a guitar because holding a guitar can almost change everything. Plus, I'm funny like you and that. That's really most of the success is that I could make a girl laugh and hold a guitar. You're up there writing beautiful songs Dude. like Mr. Poops, and the women are powerless against Mr. Poops. I just know that I just know that I can make them laugh. And dude, if they, if they were at a show or they saw us playing guitar, case closed, no problem. Yeah, that that's the only time I do feel like if I talk to a girl right after I get done playing, I do feel like I have a 15 to 30 minute window where I'm kind of like bulletproof. Yeah. But after that, that goes away. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I'm back to like, if it doesn't, if I don't meet a girl, then I'm not meeting a girl. Like in my <laughs> wife, I met at a show, my previous wife, I met at a show. Like, yeah, I'm never, it, it, it's so rare that I've met somebody outside of a performing situation. Right. Well, that's just what we, that's what we mostly do. Yeah. We got a few emails here, emails here I want to read. You can write in bobandclin at gmail.com. You know, we did that. We talked about comedy a lot on one of the last episodes. A comedian wrote into the show. Uh oh. <clears throat> no, you know what that means. <laughs> what does that mean? The darkness. <laughs> All right, the darkness of the comedian. No, this guy sounds pretty normal. Right. Uh, this is from John Powers. He said, wanted to say thank you. You guys are still absolutely killing Wait, John it. John Powell or Power? Powers. Oh, John Powers. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. 
He says, just wanted to say thank you. You guys are still absolutely killing it. You got the moves, boy. He right. He says, thanks for getting deep on comedy in the latest episode. You may have noticed my Twitter handle, Comic John Powers. He says, I spent a decade doing every club in Manhattan, and I have a few parodies that I won't subject you to. And then he sent us a few videos that are funny. But he says, the thing you guys forgot to mention is the lifestyle. He said, I'd argue it's similar to being in a band, but it's just that, but it's just you. At least with a band, you have the option of conversation, a group of people close who really get it. He says, I stopped doing comedy when I got married, the drinking, drugs, groupies, late nights. It was not the lifestyle I wanted to create with my new wife. She was very supportive, and thankfully I had a day job too. On another note, he pivots here and says, fuck the guy who doesn't like accents. Fuck him in his arse, his bloody arse. I do declare. He says, that guy had a real impact on the show, and it put you guys in a box. Do whatever the fuck you want. It's your fucking show. Fuck him. All the best. John. Oh, John, I appreciate that. Well, you yeah, know what? It is, he it right. is true. He right. I mean, he right. He got the moves, boy. <laughs> zip, 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 zip. Drippy. But you, it is true, dude. I hadn't thought about it. But ever since we got that email where the guy's like, fuck you, fuck the accents, we have shied away from the accents. I haven't. You haven't. Oh, I haven't. <laughs> you haven't shied away from the accents, have you? Uh, I now have. I mean, we deal with it, sure. we deal with it with the Metallica podcast too, where it's like we have characters that come and go, and it's like, man, uh, I'm gonna do them until I don't think they're funny, and if I still think it's funny, that's how I'm gonna spend this time talking to this fucking microphone, dude. Yeah, I have thought about how solitary and lonely the comedian plight is, unless you have like, unless you're on a tour with your buddies or if you have like a tour manager, but I mean. It's mostly just well, you. It's mostly just you driving to a club, man. I'll tell you, I did. I did a couple tours. This was a long time ago, probably thirteen, fourteen, fifteen years ago. It was in the mid aughts, and I just did them where it was just me going around doing so. It was when I first started doing solo gigs, and I wouldn't travel with Jay. And it was just me alone in my car driving from gig to gig. And I wasn't flying. And I did, I think, two of those tours. And they were both like two weeks long. And I know exactly what that guy's talking about. Dude, it got so lonely. Like it's, even now when I do solo gigs, I've got Jay there. I've got the tour manager. So there's, I have company. Uh, But man, being alone day after day. Man, that was rough, man. Well, because there's something and I, there's something to be said too about even if you've got someone there with you, even if you're not really talking all that much, they're at least there. I mean, you you're right. sharing the experience. Yeah. Well, I know that a lot of comics. I mean, I don't know about a lot of comics. I just know the comics that I know. They'll travel with an opener just for the company. Yeah. They're not. They're not necessarily even hiring them because they're really that good or that funny. They just like the company of hanging out with with somebody that they like well thanks for the uh email john appreciate that homie michael volk writes in and says love the podcast very happy to be a patreon supporter i'm sure you're getting some messages about this but the jack white song that he performed on snl is a beyonce song that he contributed to check it out says curious what you think about that version of it he says bob do you have any more juarez stories I do have a bunch of juarez stories but i don't know which ones i've already told you told the one about the kid who helped you unlock the car that oh was right! Crazy. Good so God. I, so another Juarez story. So basically, the way 
it worked when I, basically I was going to UTEP, University of Texas at El Paso, and we would go to Juarez a lot when the bars would close. So we'd go to the bars and then at one thirty or two o'clock in the morning, we'd, we'd go over to Juarez because you could drink all night and we'd park the car on the American side of the bridge and walk across the bridge into Juarez because you could drive over there, but it was just best to park on the American side and walk over. It's just safer, and you didn't have to find a place to park on on the Juarez side. Didn't have to worry about your car getting fucked with. You didn't have so to. We would do the- Juarez about it. You didn't have to Juarez a lot. So, uh, and believe me, dude, I Juarez a lot. Right, you're I'm a big Juarezer. Yeah, I know, dude. I Juarez all the time. You're a Juarez wart. Dude, for sure. And so basically, every time you walk across the bridge, there were these kids on the bridge selling chiclets. So they would have these boxes of chiclets and they'd go, hey, do you want to buy some chiclets? And last thing I want is chiclets, but that's some <laughs> shitty ass fucking gum. It's not good gum. But I would see these kids and they're like, fucking, I mean, we're talking 2 30 in the morning and there's a 10 year old kid selling chiclets. Oh, you sad. know? Talk about your the war, dude. You're sending I your know. daughter off to fucking a pod in the morning. She's you're picking her up four hours later. This kid's selling chiclets at two thirty in the morning. No adult supervision at all. He's on his own. It does Get put things in perspective. Yeah. And 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 you know, definitely eventually being recruited into the drug scene, drug cartels. But at this point, he's still a little kid and he's so there was this one kid I would always see, because I mean I was there four four nights a week. We're we're going over there a lot and i would see this kid hey you want to buy some chiclets and uh normally i'd use an accent there i decided against it <laughs> uh canceled <laughs> and uh and i'd be like no i don't but here's a dollar and i would buy i'd go yeah let me buy some chiclets and he would for a dollar he would hand me a whole like box of chiclets and i'd go here here's your box of chiclets back scamper off you little scram little now beat curmudgeon it. now beat it kid beat it Beat it, beat it, you little motherfucker. And so so I got to know this kid because I'd always like give him a dollar every time. And I mean, for me, a dollar was a lot. That was, a, a dollar would buy you four shots of tequila. It would buy you a half of a bucket of Corona. For two bucks, you buy a bucket of Corona. What? So that two bucks was a lot. Was this 175 years ago? Dude, I'm telling you, God. dude. I, we went to this place called the Corner Bar. And for three dollars, I could get a bucket of Corona and four shots of tequila. Jeez! So, dude, those were the days. Why, why do you think we didn't go over to where? So, yeah. Anyway, so I get to know this kid. I'm over in Juarez all the time. So one night, I'm walking around. Who knows what time? Between two and six in the morning, and this whole gaggle of kids comes up to me, like twenty, thirty kids. They're all under the age of twelve. No, none of them are big. They're all small kids. They're and they're pickpockets. I didn't know it at the time, but that's they're these gangs of pickpockets, and they surround me, and they're all like, hey, man, blah, 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 making all this noise and stuff. I'm like, what the fuck? What are these kids? You know, what are they doing? I wasn't scared or anything. I was just like, what? What's going on? Plus, I'm drunk as f. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I'm like, what? Kill me? I don't give a. F- F at this point, I'm, you know, I welcome anything. Death, bring it. Yeah. So these kids are surrounding me, blah, blah, blah. And I realize at some point that they have pickpocketed me because I reach back for my wallet and it's gone. And I see it kind of traveling 
through this group of kids are handing it to each other, handing it to the next kid. And then it gets to the edge of the perimeter and this kid has got my wallet and he's running down the street and I can't get to him because I'm surrounded by all these kids. And I look at this menagerie of kids and I see my little chiclet guy that I know and I just grab him by the shirt. And I'm like, hey, motherfucker, where did that kid go with my wallet? And he's like, I'll take you to him. I'll take you to him. I'm like, yeah, you will. And so all these kids disperse, and I got I got a hold of this chiclet kid, and uh, he starts leading me down these streets. I mean, we're talking in the middle of the night. There's nobody. I mean, as soon as you get off the main thoroughfare there, where there's a bunch of people kind of all night partying, but as soon as you get off the main thoroughfare, you take one left, and now you're in a dark. You're in the dark Juarez streets where nobody is. There's no sound. Nobody. He takes me around a couple bends and turns, a couple streets. We end up at a what looks like a bar that's closed, and there's some some uh, stairs that go down and then open up into a, and then there's like some bar down at the bottom of these stairs, and he goes, it's down there. I'm like, okay. So I walk down these fucking dark stairs and open up this door, and it's a completely dark room but there's a little like a little bit of the street light coming out coming into the into the, like through the window and i see a table there and on the table is my wallet and i hear a voice say uh you can get your wallet or whatever and i go pick my wallet up and walk out and i look at my wallet and i had like you know a couple bucks not hardly any money. I, I, I just was so poor at the time. So maybe there was like three or four bucks in there and they, they didn't take which it. three or four bucks at that time was, was 18 shots of tequila. Yeah, but it had years. my like driver's license in it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have any credit cards or anything, but it had a driver, you know, my driver's license, it would have been a bitch to, you know, so, you know, obviously they were looking for more than $3 in a, in a driver's license or, and maybe my UT, uh, student ID card or something. And uh, and I walked out and nothing happened. You never and, saw uh, anyone in that room? Just a... Uh, there was somebody, there a was somebody in the room. No, there was somebody in the room, in the back of the room, in but the, I didn't know In the was. shadows? In the shadows. I think somebody. that might have been the Blair Witch. Well, You may get your all wallet, kind of, sir. I mean, but that was like, I feel like shit like that was happening all the time. There was, it was sketchy. Yeah. But I was always drunk. I did not care. Like there was a part of me and you know, this feeling when you're drunk as fuck, there is part of you that just doesn't care. You will like, you're like kind of laughing in the face of danger and death. Yeah. Well, one might say that danger is your middle name. Well, I just didn't care. Like, uh, what are you going to do? Kill me? Go, go for it. Right. I'm already dead. I mean, I I didn't want to die, but go ahead. Kill me, motherfucker. I'm going to die. It's, it's a blend of that, but maybe a little less macabre. It's also a blend of willing to do anything to create an experience or a memory. You're like, bring it on. Well, bring on the bring on whatever's going to befall me, because it'll at least be something to remember. Well, we were talking about in the last podcast, you put enough alcohol on you, I don't have any fear. Like, it took away my fear. Yeah, you're inhibited, right? And so, Uninhibited. Yeah, so I just didn't. I didn't have that fear. It wasn't there. 
Now I would, I would wake up the next day and think about it and go and be like, holy shit, what yeah, was yeah. I doing? I've also done that, or I've I've woken up the next day and been told some of the things that happened. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. Well, it's been it's been uh, it, it, it rolled by. It rolled by quick. That's how we do it here. Things go by, the days go by. I want to I want to say thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you for for uh, leaving a review, leaving us a rating. It helps so much. Thanks so much for telling other people about this podcast and sharing it with your friends and enemies. And definitely thank you for all the people that have signed up on Patreon. It means the world to us. Um, We do put a lot of time and energy. It doesn't seem like we do, but we put more time and energy into this than you would think. And so that contribution that you give on Patreon really helps out and we appreciate it. And so thank you so much. We feel the love. We appreciate the love. And uh and it makes uh it makes us feel really good and it makes us more in the okay than the not okay column. So thank you so much. Things that make you go mm. Mm. Bye. Peace. <laughs>